This is Sam. This is Paul. And this is Southpaw. What the fuck happened to Head and Burrow? That is a loaded question with multiple answers. He's a former UFC champion, and I think at one point he was the number one pound for pound fighter in the UFC. That's what the UFC tried to say whenever they're trying to promote a pay per view, but let's be real. Was he ever really a pound for pound great? His record was really good at one point. It was. At one point, it was 32 1 and 1. And I think he was on over a 30 fight win streak. Yeah, his first fight was a loss. And then he went on this massive streak. And he beat Uri Faber, Michael McDonald, Scott Jorgensen, Eddie Wineland. So he's beaten some legit guys. And for his division, he cleaned it out. While Dominic Cruz, the former champion, was gone, Burrell killed everybody. He cleared out that division. And he trained out of that fame. Nova and Yao camp with Jose Aldo, so the comparisons were always there. And it looked like he was going to be that guy where he defends that title for years and years, and then he got sidetracked, and now he's awful. Whereas Jose, even after he lost to Connor, he's still good. Yeah, he recently stopped Jeremy Stevens. So what the fuck happened to Hen and Burrell? Well, I think the early holes in his game were always there, but much like Anthony Pettis, They didn't become apparent until one guy took advantage of it and then he exposed it for everyone to see. And the one guy you're talking about is TJ Dillashaw, right? Correct. Do you think that fight with TJ broke him mentally also? Broke Henan Burrell and he was never the same guy again? Or it was just that TJ exposed him and other fighters figured it out? I think the latter. I think TJ exposed him and other fighters more or less use the same playbook. Henan is one of those guys people point out that he was ruined by USADA, where the UFC started coming in with stringent performance enhancing drug testing. But I think he was affected by this new era of drug policing in a different way, which is that they also made it against the rules, not only to take performance enhancing drugs, but to do anything that might mask performance enhancing drugs. So even things that are not PEDs. They don't let you take it if it's possible that thing you're doing could hide PEDs. So, one of the things they got rid of was IVs. I don't know if he was on steroids or not, but I think two things that really affected him, and they're both around weight cutting, which is the lack of IV. I think that fucked up a lot of fighters like Johnny Hendricks, and I would even say Eric Silva, but also the lack of being able to take certain supplements that help you lose weight. Because those are not performance enhancing drugs, but they're diuretics. So they help you lose weight. But unfortunately, or fortunately, diuretics also help you flush out steroids from your system. So I could see why they ban those substances, but they themselves are not steroids. But there are also steroids that don't make you stronger. There's also steroids that help you lose weight. 
So I think for Hen and Burrell, it all came down to banning all the things that helped them lose weight and then recover his weight after he made the weight cut. And since all those things were banned, he's been having a hard time making weight. So he's had to move up to 145 because he couldn't make 135 anymore. Not only did he have a hard time making weight, his rematch with Dillashaw was postponed because he couldn't make weight and Dillashaw had to end up fighting Joe Soto, who's a UFC newcomer. And not to mention, Henan Barrow is one of those guys who started his career in 2005, trains out of a gym that's notorious for hard sparring. He's been at it for 13 years. So after year nine is when we typically start seeing a dip in performance. And unlike Jose Aldo, which has always been an all-time great, Henan Barrow's holes were much harder to fix because... I'm not saying or disagreeing with the PED or performance enhancing drugs accusations or speculation, but once TJ Dillashaw figured out certain things that Hen and Burrell didn't do very well or didn't react to very well, everybody else in their own way just picked that apart. He was never a guy with high fight IQ. He was more of a reactionary fighter where if you pushed a certain button, he had a certain reaction and those reactions were lightning quick. So you did something, he reacted back and he hurt you. But he wasn't somebody who was good thinking on the fly. And he also relied too much on those kind of rote reactions. And I think even against Eddie Wineland, Wineland was already exposing some of those issues. It's just that then he pushed the wrong button and got kicked in the face with a back kick. Eddie Wineland was probably the prototype before Dillashaw on how to frustrate Hennen Barrow and beat him. Because Wineland comes from that boxing background where he had beautiful feints and lightning quick moves. And you could tell that Hennen Barrow bit on every feint that Wineland threw at him and it busted him up. The problem that Wineland had was when he did back up Hennen Barrow, he didn't capitalize on it and he gave Hennen too much space to, like you said, react. Dominic Cruz, even though he was out, was already saying this, that he had already seen a lot of flaws in Henan Barrow, so he was sure that he could beat him. Unfortunately, he couldn't come back, but whatever Dominic was seeing, other fighters were seeing also, like TJ and also like Eddie Wineland. Yeah, because everybody was going off of how he beat Uriah Faber, but Uriah Faber fights the exact same way every single time. He'll rush you, he'll swing that overhand right, and if all else fails, he'll try to go for the guillotine. He's great at it, but once you figure it out, it becomes more of an IQ test than it is a fight. He's also a very reactionary fighter. So once you memorize all the buttons, you know he doesn't have any more buttons. That's it. Those are all the combos he has. Even with those holes, I think Brow was able to get away with it because he was so physical. So what the weight cutting issue has done for him is that he can't get away with it as much because he's no longer the giant powerhouse that he used to be. In 145, he's too small. In 135, he's so emaciated. He's slow, he's weak, and he can't take a punch. And then on top of that now, people have exposed his flaws, which he's always had. He's very this reflexive fighter, but who's not high in fight IQ. Then you could just outthink him. And like you said, you set up feints and he'll bite on all of them because he does only react. He doesn't differentiate if this is real or not. You push a button even if it's a fake, like you're just tapping that button to get a reaction from him, he'll still give you that reaction because he can't tell. Jose Aldo always had that 
really crisp straight punch, and Hennenborough had a jab. Jose Aldo has that beautiful inside low kick, and Hennenborough had that hard outside low kick. And one of the things that Hennenborough never really had was the follow-up to the jab. His jab was lightning quick, no tell, no setup. He reminded me a lot of De La Hoya in that regard. It could jolt you, it could hurt you, it could probe you. But the problem came when people would faint him and he would throw that wild right. And from there, you could say, oh, you have no follow-up to that jab. And then when you get into a brawl, you can easily outbox him. Because like you said, there's a difference between punching and boxing. And Barrao is a great puncher, not a good boxer. Pettis is the same way, where he throws really good straight punches. So whether it's a jab or a cross, no tell, it comes straight down the pipe. But there's single pot shots. When you get them to exchange with you and have to throw multiple layers of punches, then they just start going wild. And that's when you could take advantage of it. And I think in that way, Barrao has the same problems that Anthony Pettis has. It's interesting because even with their kicks, Barrao has that low kick that comes in quick, no setup. Pettis also has really flashy high kicks, no real setup. So I think maybe Pettis might be a great case study to do after this. And they're so similar in that regard. I think they might even have the same record as of recently. A lot of Barrao's problem, I think same thing with Anthony Pettis, is they came from these kickboxing-oriented schools. And so kickboxing, even though it's striking, Unlike boxing, kickboxing spars a lot more. Boxing, there's a lot of technique drills, and there's a lot of technique drills in kickboxing too, but a lot of it still stems from like old school martial arts of just sparring, except in this martial art, you get hit to the head, so they just go at it. So I think being a Nova Niao and sparring with Jose Aldo all the time has also aged him, but also it's what made him such a reflexive, predictable fighter. So I think. Barrao and probably Pettis too, they developed a lot of their strategies in sparring instead of developing them through drills or having a coach develop them for you and do specific drills to create new habits. It's just that somebody like Jose Aldo, who also came up the same way, naturally was gifted with higher fight IQ. And so he could still adapt. Going off what you just said about reactions, Henan Barrao, when he's pressed, will retreat in a straight line backwards. When you go backwards, you hit the cage. And then from there, it's harder for him to throw that famous low kick. And it's harder for him to hurt you with that jab. And not only does reaction hurt you, because you're not able to develop game plans. I don't think Henan Barrao is a guy who ever comes in with a game plan. That's another difference between him and Jose Aldo. Like Jose Aldo, both times he fought Frankie Edgar, he came in with a clear game plan. But Jose Aldo does a lot of things. But the two things that he does that Henan Barrao doesn't is he angles out and he pivots. Whereas Barrao will just retreat straight back. So he's never in a good position to return fire. He's just always, oh no, now I'm against the cage. I guess I'll just get into a brawl. People always make the comparison like we are just because they're teammates. But Henan is closer to, like I said, Pettis than he is to Jose Aldo. Henan recently lost to a UFC newcomer named Andre Yule. And what was interesting about that fight is the way Yule fights, I think even if he was fighting Henan Barrao in his prime, he would have still given him trouble. 
Well, not to mention Henan Barrao came in overweight. They had to do it in a catch weight of 141.5. Yeah. So that goes back to what I was saying about his weight issues. So after a while, once people figure out a template on how to beat you, you can plug in anybody. And as long as they have the right game plan, they'll beat you if you haven't evolved. Whether it's a TJ Dillashaw, who turned out to be one of the best bantamweights ever, or a UFC newcomer who can still take you to a split decision and win. And that shouldn't have been a split decision. I think it was clearly Yule won. And a lot of the problems that Yule gave him is the same problems he ran into with TJ, which is that Yule has a southpaw advantage. And TJ is a switch stance fighter who's really good on both sides, but he's extra deadly when he's in southpaw stance. It's just that he's one of the best at switching in and out, so you can't catch him while he's switching. The thing that all fighters have learned from TJ against Henan Barrao is that if you constantly stay in motion, whether it's through switching stances, as long as you continually move and not aggressively forward like your Uriah Faber, you'll frustrate Henan into getting into exchanges. And combined with feints, he'll bite on every single one of them. So all you need to do, get him into a brawl, outstrike him. And it's not too difficult to do because I believe before he fought Andre, he fought Brian Kelleher at Bantamweight. Brian Kelleher almost finished Henan Barrow if there was 10 more seconds within that fight. And he also lost to Aljamain Sterling in the same way, but through a grappling exchange. And let's talk about his grappling for a little bit, because while it's always been good, he's been able to submit guys like Michael McDonald. It never followed the template of what to do. It was very much like a striking, a very reactionary base. Yeah, that's one area I think he is like Jose where. They're both black belts, and they started in jiu-jitsu first, I believe. But their striking is a lot better than their jiu-jitsu. And their jiu-jitsu and ground fighting is just competent. But it's nowhere near the level of their striking. So when they get it to the ground, they're good, but they're not great. And when I say great, I mean it's not great compared to other fighters in the UFC, like Aljermaine Sterling, who hasn't even been training jiu-jitsu as long as Burrell has, but I would say Sterling is better on the ground. Yeah, I think wrestling is that great neutralizer that people don't seem to consider because when Henan Burrell fought TJ the first time, he was expecting a wrestler who maybe might strike here or there. He didn't expect somebody to come in with the full arsenal of striking at his disposal because he came from that Uriah Faber camp, but unbeknownst to him, TJ Dillashaw had to mimic Henan Burrell multiple times for that camp. So he was already familiar with that style, the ins and outs, combined with having Dwayne Ludwig in your corner, being able to pick apart patterns and styles and movements. It was a done deal. That's actually another point about why TJ is so dominant, because he looks like he came out of nowhere and then just took over the division. But he was preparing to take over the division for a long time by imitating all the top guys. And he had imitated them for other fighters in 135 for so long. It's almost like that book Ender's Game, where you have to now empathize with the enemy and be able to see from their perspective to kill them. And that's what TJ did in that he was able to mimic their style. He fell in love with their style. And when it was his turn to fight them, he knew exactly how to take it apart. 
He also had to imitate Dominic Cruz multiple times, and that's how he was so intimately familiar with the style. And he probably saw along the way, I could probably use this in my own fights, but let me just add my own little flair to it. Actually, what is his style? It's Dominic Cruz's switch stances and movements, but Dominic does it in a defensive way. TJ took Dominic's movements and footwork and combined it with Hen and Burrell's offense. And I would say that is what TJ Dillashaw is. Yeah, and he also mixes it very well with takedowns, as we saw in that John Lineker fight, where you're not quite sure if he's going to strike or if he's going to shoot. And it comes from nowhere with very little tell. And because it's always done from a switch stance, you can never get too comfortable. TJ is really smart. I don't mean that in life. He might be. I don't know. But in the fight, he's very smart. And I think Brow isn't the same fight acumen like TJ Dillashaw as far as understanding what's going on and how to adjust. That's why I think he has such a hard time with Southpaws because with a Southpaw, it's all the same stuff except reverse. So everything is the same except it's now coming from the other side. So he has to flip that mirror in his mind, but he can't. So he gets confused. I knew Hennen was in trouble or he would never return to dominance when he lost to TJ, which happens, his holes were exposed or his flaws were exposed but that fight back with Mitch Gagnon is going to be the fight where you could see has he made adjustments has he fixed those holes for me I noticed that he had a ceiling when he fought Uriah Faber and I also saw that with Jose Aldo Uriah Faber became this guy that people had to beat on their way up and also it became a good test with both guys they saw the hole in Uriah Faber's game. And Jose Aldo did a lot better job, but Burrell did not know how to fully maximize taking advantage of those holes, whereas TJ Dillashaw does. So even there, we already saw that Burrell, even in a fight he's winning, cannot adapt to the holes that he's already taking advantage of. If he has a problem taking advantage of that, then what happens when he has a bad style matchup? then it's going to be even worse. Yeah, and I think with that Mitch fight, like you talked about the holes, Mitch was winning that fight until the last round when Henan Burrell got a takedown and secured a submission on him. So it was arguable that when they say Henan Burrell was back, I thought back from what? Because the same deficiencies are still there. He just happened to get a submission. Yeah, you see the same thing with Jose Aldo. If he gets the takedown and he's on top, he looks good. But if he's defensively grappling, it doesn't look that great. Yeah, and even Hennon's wrestling, he has that cardinal sin of reaching where he arches his back and tries to go for a takedown. But a lot of times he gets away with it because he's so strong in the division. But against people with good fundamental wrestling, he can't get away with that. And also now that he doesn't have the same size advantage that he used to, he can't get away with strength wrestling anymore. So Paul, let me ask you, what do you predict next for Hennon Burrell? I think Henan Burrell is unfortunately going to go the way of Anthony Pettis, where he becomes that gatekeeper you need to beat in order to advance your career. He's a former champion with a great record and who has a story tradition of a fight team behind him. But he's that IQ test you need to beat in order to move up in the bantamweight ranks. He's like geometry. You need to get past geometry to get to algebra. Yes. And he gets lost in algebra. He can't figure that shit out. Because you can only do 
angles and surface areas for too long. And then once you get into actual equations, he's lost. What is algebra? It's solving for X. You don't know what X is, that missing variable. And Burrell can never solve for X. Maybe mentally, he just thinks he's going through a rough time as opposed to, I need to fix these weaknesses. Watch. Right after we post this in the future, we end up finding out that Burrell goes over to Bellator and then wins the 145-pound championship. Actually, let's hedge our bets then. Because I'm not quite sure when I'm going to upload this, and we're also not sure when people are going to listen to this, we could put some stuff in like we already knew what was going to happen. So when they listen to it, they'll just think, oh, they just recorded it last week because they're talking about Bellator 145 champion Henan Burrell, right? Oh, yeah. And then Henan Burrell recently won the 145-pound title at Bellator. Yeah, he won the tournament. Yep. And I'd also like to make a special salute to our new president, Brett Kavanaugh. Connor just beat Floyd in MMA, and now he's the vice president. Yep. So there you go. We're always topical, and we're always up to date. Yep. <laughs>